The following program was made possible by Ward's Lawyers. Find us at wardlegal.ca. Hello, Advocate Podcast Stories from Kawartha Lakes. How may I direct your call? Keeping in mind that it'll always come back to me anyway, because I'm the only one here. Hello, Mr. Greg Noon. I'm with Podcast Monthly Magazine. Very happy to tell you that your podcast has earned the Platinum Award of Excellence in the category of local podcasts catering to residents of Kawartha Lakes in a twice-monthly format when it also includes theme music created by a bearded musician. Wow, that sounds terrific. Thank you. Uh, now, Platinum, is that like first place? Uh, not necessarily. Some of our Diamond winners would say they're first. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, and don't get me started on those who won gold in this category. Yeah, well, it's just that I'm used to, you know, a format that's first, second, and third, or gold, silver, bronze. Your system is a bit vague and confusing. Thank you. The important thing is that your podcast is being recognized in some kind of hazy yearly ritual designed for all regular advertisers of our magazine. We even send you a plaque. Um, we don't actually advertise with your magazine. Honestly, I've, I've never even heard of it. Oh, uh, it appears there's been a mistake. Please dis disregard this phone call. Know this, loyal listeners, you're all super platinum, double diamond, extra gold to us. And we appreciate your following us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts for darn near a year and a half now. On today's show, lawyer Jason Ward on vaccines in the workplace and how, or if, business owners can even broach this new hot button topic and i always think of myself sort of from the neil young zone i'll play solo i've got a duo i've got a you know, trio whatever whatever it takes who doesn't adore bob may and appreciate his musical contribution to our community I sit down with one of our town's beloved troubadours and his equally musically talented and easygoing daughter, Christy, later in the program. We check in with one of our very first interviewees from more than a year ago, when times were bleaker than they are now, Greg Andrews on Pizza's Place in a Pandemic, Part 2. Would you like wings with your podcast? Because we can wait if you do. So load up your dipping sauce, put that napkin on your lap, and raise a slice. My name is Denny Gringell, and this is episode 33 of the Advocate Podcast, Stories from Kawartha Lakes. Hang on here, just bear with me as I trim my locks. A little bit off the side. Okay, this is the thick part. I better use... Great! This is the best self-haircut ever, said no one ever. No, like you, I will have to wait another few weeks to shed this aging and receding rock star look. As tiring, maddening even, as this is for us, imagine what it's like for the professional haircutters who are still not legally allowed to welcome us back. To earn a living, of course, but also to, to just reconnect with their customers. Many of whom, let's be honest, aren't just getting a haircut when they're getting a haircut. Wally Nugent's shop on William Street in Lindsay is usually abuzz with customers, with that door seemingly always swinging open and closed. Not so much now. Wally joins me on the line. 
Wally, you're usually a pretty positive guy, but uh, how about now? One of my frustrations through this is there's no one at the science table or at the cabinet level that understands how our business has morphed to accommodate the pandemic. People can't hang around and visit, and I can't tell you the number of times it's it's really bothered me to say to someone, well, my next guy's outside there. Um, you know, it's like going to see Lucy, the psychiatrist, and say, oh, your nickel's up, you got to go. Because that's not the way our business has run historically. So I'm one of the lucky ones. As a matter of fact, I, I consider myself very fortunate. I'm at the stage of my career where I'm not going to lose my house. I'm not going to lose my home. Uh, you know, my, my kids aren't wanting for meals. But there's many, many people in my industry that are right now. So I've always worked by appointment. So that's excellent. I have a very intelligent clientele. Uh, so I had no, when I started back from the first lockdown, the education process was very easy. Um, did people forget their masks? Absolutely. Like if everything was so new, but I, I've always, you know, for 49 years, uh, I've run a tidy ship and people know that, uh, when you make an appointment, you show up on time. Uh, so that education part didn't exist for me, but the, the whole thing of someone coming in and say, you know what, I'm in town visiting my mother and my dad's passed away, can I get a haircut? The answer is no. Uh, my brother's visiting from Winnipeg, can he get a haircut? The answer is no. You know, there's been times over my career when someone comes in and there's no one in the chair and I say, I can't cut your hair. But it's because I know Denise doing two minutes and Denise always on time because <laughs> that's what I expect of him. But there's times now when I might have 10 minutes and I could keep a client waiting five minutes. But no, that would mean two people in my shop at the same time. So the answer is always no now. I can't accommodate people who are most in need. And, and you know, in times past, my clients, if I said, sorry to keep you waiting five minutes, that fellow just lost his dad and I wanted a haircut. I, I, I'm not able to do that. And that's our whole business is built on service. It's really challenging times. And the hardest part of that is after doing that for a year, is to be disrespected. Uh, there's no one at the science table or in the cabinet that knows how we run our businesses. After we came back from the first lockdown, daily I was inundated with people thanking me for being safe and doing it right. And I try not to start the conversation around the pandemic or the change world we live in, the future, you know, try to prognosticate what's going to happen. I try to focus but one message i've told people how lucky we are you know the odd person will say you know this is our generation's world war well i had an uncle that was in stalag three and i had an uncle that was a japanese prisoner of war and i actually had a guy phone me one night and i said well i didn't live through a world war but right now my wife and i are sitting on the patio having supper listening to the birds and looking at our beautiful garden i don't think that's what a world war was like and i tried to push that positive on to people like this is different it's changed it's not what we want but boy don't don't forget how blessed we are it must have been exhausting having to do that you know from from day customer day to customer yeah. 12 hours a day the first time i came back i worked almost three months 12 hour days six days a week just to try and get back to square one and i finally said okay next week wednesday's my day off i'm not going to work 12 hour days and i I shifted it down and we had enough of a return to work that I almost achieved that. But this last uh, opening we had, I don't know, was it two months we were allowed to open? I never got out of the 12 hour days. 
And I can't think of a single incident in the last opening where I said, boy, that guy needs his head shook to, to realize what we're going through. People realize how hard small businesses are working. If sympathy were bankable, I'd be a billionaire. So I, I'm in my shop every day taking phone messages. And uh, as each lockdown came along, I've got much better at, um, you know, I, I try to return every call eventually. Who's calling at this but, time, knowing that there's a there's a shutdown? Uh, and they you can't... know what? There's a, so a half of the calls are people saying, geez, uh, Wally, I hope they get you open soon. I feel so bad. I wish there was something I could do for you. Hey, what's it like getting um, that kind of phone call? Uh, you know, I always I always reach out to those people. Sometimes it's a text or an email because uh, uh, it could be very emotional, you know, when someone's. Sure. Feeling, feeling your pain like that. Um, and and like I say, I, I'm very blessed. I, I'm not I don't need financial help. Uh, I just want to get back to work. I get a lot of uh, gratitude just calling someone up and talking about hockey or, uh, you know, how the garden's doing or uh, avoid the obvious, uh, you know, conversation about the world we live in right now. And You're doing everything but cutting their hair at that moment. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, those conversations, like if I say to Cheryl, I'm going to answer uh, calls at work. There's no telling when I'll get home. Sometimes it's in 20 minutes and sometimes it's two hours. Let's look ahead here to when you are able to open up again and fingers crossed that'll be sooner than later. Mm -hmm. What do you think that first day will be like for you, Wally, knowing that, you know, there's a good chance that you won't have to shut down again? Well, I can, I can give you a bit of an analogy. The, when I came back from the first lockdown, the first week, every day was like Canada Day. And uh, when Brenda Stonehouse and I ran Canada Day, uh, I'd be out of bed uh, 4.30 in the morning and I wouldn't get back to bed till sometimes 1 in the morning the next day and I wouldn't stop for 15 seconds and when I went back from the lockdowns the first week every day was like that. Well, here's to many Canada days, the real ones and the ones that you'll celebrate after you close up shop every night for the next forever. Yeah. My thanks to men's hairstylist Wally Nugent for taking the time for us on the program. And my thanks to all the hairstylists out there and your patients. We hope to see you soon too. And when that happens, which is hopefully soon, we will be sure to tip you well. Right, people? My name is Anne Rocky and I'm from Lindsay. And you're listening to The Advocate Podcast, Stories from Kawartha Lakes. Okay, let's take a break from using the expression new normal, shall we? And let's try something different like, uh, oh, how about business not quite as usual? Because that will be the case for businesses for some time. For sure, many business owners are seeing vaccines as a conduit, a return to regular normal. But what if those entering that business choose not to be vaccinated? What role does or can the government play in all of this? Hmm. Sounds like we need some words of wisdom. Words of wisdom. More than just words of wisdom. It's words. Jason Ward is sitting across from me in the Ward's lawyers' offices on Kent Street in Lindsay. Uh, Jason, first of all, thanks for allowing me entry into your building here. I appreciate that. 
You're welcome, Dini. It's always great to see and be a part of this. And firstly, before we begin, I just wanted to say how um, proud and pleased we are with the progress and the development of this program. It's really taken off in the community. It's become a great community service, and it's uh, it's become a real buzz. So well done. Wow. Well, that was that's very kind of you. And um, you know what? That's not going to make the chopping block. I'm going to leave that in there. That's great. <laughs> Hey, I got my first shot about two months ago, but if I had not gotten my shot by choice and I decided to walk right across the street here on Kent Street and go into any one of those businesses, uh, first of all, are they even allowed to ask me if I have been vaccinated? No. Short answer is no. Businesses cannot ask patrons or customers, members of the public who come in off the street, whether they've been vaccinated or not based on current Ontario law. I think what's going on currently, uh, including in the city of Quarth Lakes, is entirely unfair to our employers. Uh, I think this is an example of what, what a proactive government should have addressed sooner than now. And I think the burden placed on employers to decide whether they should mandatorily vaccine employees or whether they should require customers to have vaccines shouldn't be put on employers. That's a political issue. It shouldn't, it shouldn't be decided by our local employers and our local community. It's not fair. Okay, so given that we are dealing with that then, what can they do? Employers currently have the option of uh, suggesting a mandatory vaccination policy in their workplace. I don't think they should be put in that position. Um, mandatory uh, vaccination policies are fraught with risk. They can be challenged by employees on any number of grounds, including the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Um, they can be ch challenged under privacy law, human rights law, uh, and they can also be subject to wrongful dismissal claims. So, for example, uh, a vaccinate or terminate policy is not something that's going to be upheld by the court uh, going forward. And although mandatory vaccination policies have not been judicially reviewed yet, it just hasn't happened, enough time hasn't passed, um, this is a political issue. This is an issue for the Ontario or federal government to weigh in and determine whether employers should require employees to be mandatorily vaccinated or not. It shouldn't be something placed on employers because it's a very uncertain, uh, expensive proposition for employers, particularly if they're challenged. Well, let me, let me give you an example. Let's suppose uh, my business imposed a mandatory vaccination policy for employees, and I have an employee who claims a religious exemption under the Ontario Human Rights Code. That employee could bring a complaint to the Ontario Human Rights Commission, and I as an employer would have to respond to that. And that would be a very expensive proposition for me because I would need legal representation. And I would have to prove in a court of law or at the tribunal that mandatory vaccination is necessary to reduce or eliminate transmission or contraction in my workplace. And that requires expert evidence. And frankly, the data is not there currently. The long-term data is not there to, to, to prove that in a court of law. And that's one of the things that's going to be required if employers get challenged on undertaking mandatory workplace policies. So what are they telling you if they come to you and say, listen, Jason, I need some help with this. Uh, what, what can I do? What's within my rights? Can I put a sign up in the, in, in, in the, in the door? Can I, can I send it out on social media and tell people this is what we're doing? Are they allowed to do that even? No, cannot do that. Uh, really, the only choice for employers in our community is to develop and implement a, a policy in the workplace that all employees who want to continue to work here must be vaccinated. And I regularly advise clients on the pros and cons of that. And frankly, 100% of the clients that I have in the community have decided not to adopt such a policy because of the drawbacks and the risks of doing so. But if, so if they adopt the policy, it, it's really just a policy. It's nothing carved in stone. I'm the employer. I say, this is our policy. We need everybody to be vaccinated. Someone raises their hand and says, well, I'm not doing it. 
there's nothing I can do. There may be something you can do. The, the question at law is, should you be allowed to terminate an employee because they decide not to vaccinate? And my view on that is no. What we don't want to do now is bog the courts down with wrongful termination claims because employers told an employee to go home because they wouldn't be vaccinated. There, mm. There's alternatives to that. It's mostly the larger employers in the area that this is an issue with. The smaller employers, it's not so much an issue. Um, but effectively, we're taking a wait and see. Uh, I don't want employers in the city of Quartz Lakes that I represent to be the guinea pigs on mandatory vaccination policies and to have to deal with the legal um, ramifications of that if it's challenged. It's just too much of an undertaking for local employers. Um, so we're waiting to see what happens. What happens with the larger companies in Ontario? What happens with the courts? How will the courts treat this? And that'll give us some guidance on whether we could adopt such a thing or not. But for now, we're not going to put our toe in that water. At least I'm not going to do that as a business owner because of the huge uncertainty that's involved with this. If you were to guess, what do you think we're going to be looking at six, seven, eight months from now? I think it will be challenged. I think these types of policies will be challenged. Uh, my best estimate in working with many employers in the city of Quartha Lakes is that uh, probably about 30% of the employee base has decided they won't get vaccinated for whatever reason. Uh, it might be a medical or religious exemption, but that's my best estimate. And I base that based on my knowledge of working with other employers, including my own business. It's a live issue. There are a number of people out there who don't want to get vaccinated for whatever reason. And, and currently, that's an individual reason, and I respect that as an employer. Until the government weighs in and until the government says otherwise, it has to be an individual decision, uh, in my view. But I, I think this is an opportunity that if we as a society want the population to be vaccinated or workplaces to be vaccinated, the government has to weigh in. The government has to step in and intervene and provide direction on that, much like they've done on other things during the pandemic. Right next door here at Shoppers Drug Mart, I'll see a sign in the window that says masks are mandatory, uh, two meter distance. So how is that so different than, than putting a sign that says we want, we want uh, a digital health pass, we want to know that you're vaccinated? How, how are those two things not the same? In theory, legally, they are the same. Uh, if I walked over next door and didn't wear a mask, despite the sign that said I have to, I could challenge that. I could challenge that under a number of legal grounds. And the employer would have to respond to that challenge. Uh, it is a wearing a mask in the city court of the lakes currently isn't the law. It's a recommended guideline. And it always, it's always been that case throughout the pandemic. Same with social distancing. There's no law in the books that says that two individuals on Kent Street have to remain two meters apart. Rather, that's been recommendations from the government and from our health care providers. And people have accepted and adopted it because it's necessary during the pandemic. But it's still subject to challenge much like it would be if, if I wanted to go to the Century Theater and watch a movie on Wednesday night and somebody said, well, hold out your hand or show me your digital vaccination card. I could challenge that as well. It shouldn't be left up to the Century Theater to be put in that position, much like it shouldn't be put up, uh, employers shouldn't be put in the position of awkwardly having to talk to their employees about why they're not getting vaccinated. Is there anything we've been able to glean or you've been able to glean from the whole situation with masking that can carry over to the vaccination issue? Or is it just a completely different animal and, and we have to separate those two? Well, there's, there's been some precedence or history in Ontario, for example, uh, with the flu. There's been some legal precedence in Ontario that employers have required mandatory flu vaccinations in the workplace. And there's not court decisions, but arbitration decisions that have upheld that, but subject to very strict restrictions on the employer. So there's some precedence in Ontario for requiring mandatory vaccination in the context of flu, but that's an entirely different animal and beast than COVID-19. If I'm asked to act for an employer and go into court and prove 
that my decision to force my employees to get vaccinated reduces the transmission or possibility of contraction in the workplace of this virus, I'm going to have a tough time proving that currently. And, and that's the reality of what we're doing. And, and if, I, if I impose such a policy in my workplace and I'm challenged on it and it goes to court, that's going to be my onus. I'm going to have to convince that judge uh, up, up the street at Kent Street that, no, uh, the evidence is that vaccination in my workplace reduces transmission or contraction. And while we all may collectively believe that, at the end of the day, if I'm a lawyer in a courtroom and I have to prove it scientifically, that's an entirely different matter. Can I ask you finally, did you get your vaccine? I did. I'm an AZ. I got AZ. I'm waiting for my second shot. My name is Linda Williams from Ward's Lawyers and Lindsay, your official sponsor of the Advocate Podcast, Stories from Cortha Lakes. One of the very first interviews we did on this program was with Greg Andrews. He's the co-owner of Tony's Pizza in Lindsay. In fact, it was for a special episode that focused on the very first shutdown due to the coronavirus, back when we used to refer to that by its full name. Remember that? You can still hear that episode on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And in it, you'll hear Greg discuss the effects all of this was having on his business in those early days and and what he was bracing himself for. So much has changed since then, and yet so much has remained. But we are different. Business is different. In many cases, not necessarily worse off, though. So last week, some 14 months after that very first conversation on the telephone, I caught up with Greg again to discuss this past, but also the future. This time in person, in masks and distanced, mind you, at Tony's Pizza in Lindsay. I started by playing a short clip to Greg from that original interview when no one really knew how long any of this would last. And Greg initially decided to close shop for a while. Like we're a small business. This is our, this is my family's only source of income, but uh, like, so it's not an easy decision, but at the same time, like, like I'm, I'm sure that there's going to be some kind of accommodation made. Like I'm sh like, I don't think like the government's going to talk about mortgage relief and everything. So like, we'll be okay for a few weeks, but nobody can really go for more than, like, three or four weeks without a paycheck before they start. To when you think back to that, uh, what comes to mind? Oh, well, like, nobody knew what to think. Um, I It was just kind of, like, just wing it every day. Like, you just, what I remember thing was, like, just, what a lot of people were thinking was, like, just take advantage of some of the downtime, too. Like, bonus downtime that uh, we wouldn't have, like, gotten otherwise. So, yeah, like, there, there was the uncertainty, but... Uh, I have a personal belief that things always work out, so I just I was just going with that. That uh, whatever happens, you you get through it and you work through it. So, kind of how I live my life. Like you just there's challenges, but uh, you have to believe that you're gonna overcome them. Otherwise, you don't live. What really stuck in my mind in that interview, what you said and what so many people said was, well, let's just see what happens in a month. You know, if it goes beyond a month. Take me back to that week five, week six, when you thought, okay, this is, we're in it for the long haul. What was it like just preparing? We reopened in a, a very limited capacity. We, we just brought back the one employee and it was just bare minimum. We had uh, reduced hours, reduced menu. Um, we did pizza only. And um, like, there's always the, the doubt, like, uh, are we real? Is this the right time? But um, 
we had a good plan in place. Like it was all curbside pickup. Uh, people would have to book time slots to order their pizzas at, so it was all scheduled out that way. Like you, we would say your pizza will be ready at this time, and they would be waiting. It was still hectic, like because you're you're trying to do it all with. Uh, with just the bare bones and the bare minimum here as well. Take me back to that moment when, you know, those first few weeks when it's just you and another person, people are outside waiting, you've got the masks on. Well, how, how do you remain the buoyant person that you clearly are? You know what? Just seeing how happy people were to be, like, coming and getting their pizza. Like, they haven't had, they, like, they haven't been able to get their Friday pizza for a month. Like, seeing how happy people were is what kept us going. You know, everyone thinks about their jobs and like, do you make a difference in your job? But like, when you see how someone getting a pizza actually brightens their day, that's what brightens my day and keeps me going. I can clearly see that I've made a difference in someone else's day just by being here to make them a pizza. I definitely have a different perspective. Like it's, there is, I do see more of that psychological side to that. Like you think like, yeah, it's just, it's just a pizza, but like you can see how that can change someone's day. Like they, Maybe they're, it was a drudge for the, their day was a drudge, and they're thinking about going home and having to make dinner. And now they're like, you know what? I don't have to do that. I've got, I've got this pizza here, like, and that's actually made them feel better about things. And I never really gave it that much credit before. Like perspectives have definitely changed a lot in the last year, for yeah. sure. I didn't even give it that much thought before to how how important that that is to some to some people, right? What did you learn about yourself? Uh Oh, now you're putting me on the spot here. Uh, I I learned that I'm a bigger part of this community than I maybe thought I was. And I didn't really give myself much credit for that before. So it's just... Uh, you're getting choked up. <laughs> yeah, it, I, I feel very appreciated. So it's the, it's the really nice reciprocity with the, with the customers. Um, they appreciate us, we appreciate them, and uh, yeah, just the whole sense of community is just the biggest thing over the last year for me. Hi, I'm Greg Andrews with Tony's Pizza, and you're listening to The Advocate Podcast, stories from Kawartha Lakes. Thanks for being with us. We are 100% local media and part of The Advocate magazine and The Advocate Online. You can pick up a copy of the June issue of the magazine for free in Lindsay at Giant Tiger and also at Country Market. And remember to check out The Advocate podcast, Facebook and Twitter pages and reach out to us if you have a story idea or you just want to leave a comment on the show. I can't believe it's taken me 33 episodes to get this guy on the program. Bob May moved to Kawartha Lakes right around the same time I did in the late 1990s. But it wasn't long before Bob became such an integral part of the community's fabric. Largely because Bob, from the get-go, always made himself available to perform at community or fundraising events between playing regular paid gigs, as a soloist or with his band. Now, no doubt you're familiar with the song he wrote and performed with Bethany Reese, A Song for Lindsay. Put a little town in your life. I mean, who doesn't adore Bob? Yeah, that should be his uh, his concert t-shirt. Waiting this long, however, meant I got to sit down not just with Bob, but also an equally affable and talented musician in her own right, and Bob's frequent musical collaborator. His daughter, Christy, who recently relocated to Lindsay. 
they invited me into Bob's basement slash concert venue slash studio. People come to Lindsay from everywhere around. Put a little town in your life. A beautiful... You know, music is, is the beginning and the end of everything for me. Um, I got a job teaching because I had music in an era when it was hard to get a teaching job. And so there's that. And then uh, when I was 11 years old, my parents did a terrible thing. They signed me up for music lessons on the accordion. Why the accordion? <laughs> it took me years to figure out the accordion was not cool. I was never going to get any girls playing a stupid accordion. <laughs> Do you know the definition of perfect pitch? No. Perfect pitch is when an accordion lands on bagpipes in the dumpster. <laughs> Fortunately, the Beatles came along, and like everyone else, I switched to guitar, and I began to write songs. I wrote boring teenage songs, because I was a boring teenager. Your situation's a bit different, Christy. I mean, you, you grew up with it around you. I you were born of it. So yeah. what role did it play in your own life, given that your dad's playing it? And I, I got to say, I mean, I was so lucky growing up in a basement like this, right? To be able to, like, you know, be a kid and grab a drumstick and, and just whack at it if I wanted to. And, I mean, being a kid in a studio was kind of fun because I remember, you know, in the wintertime, getting my snowsuit on and going and knocking on the studio door. Can I go out to play? And you'd say... Yeah, but come here for just a minute, you know? <laughs> Get me to sing down some little, my little cherub voice on some track before I went out to play. So, I mean, you know, growing up in it, you definitely just kind of think everyone's growing up in that kind of basement or that kind of lifestyle, right? I had the only recording studio in Kirkland Lake for a couple of decades. Two famous customers, Alan Thicke, Shania Twain. Yeah, Alan Thicke, when he, he showed up to my studio and I had met him in a show, He's a Kirk and Laker. Mm -hmm. I had met him before. Uh, was writing a song for Julio. And when he came, I thought he had a song. He said, I want it to go about this fast, <laughs> snapping his finger. And I'm playing chords. And he'd say, oh, change the fourth chord. And at the end of the night, we had the format of the whole song. And the next day, he came with all the lyrics. And three days later, he pitched it to Julio out in Vancouver, who was doing his album and like that. And Julio never used it. <laughs> I remember a, a little while back, a couple of years ago, I guess at this point, seeing you on stage mm -hmm. uh, in the little stage at Boiling Over, playing with, I think it was Gerald Van Halteren. Okay. And uh, I'm not going to say you upped your game because your game is always up. It's always solid. But, oh, but certainly the game changed. It evolved when I watched you yes. play with him. Almost like seeing a different Bob because okay. I see Bob who's this very happy melodic and you were still smiling. Well, you know, one of the reasons, Denny, for playing in a band is you got somebody else to blame it on when you make a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and it's just uh, playing solo and, and versus playing in a band. You've got friends, you know, uh, it's a very tight little social group. It's like being in a service club of only three or four people and you have to make all the decisions together and... and um, it's uh, it's a wonderful thing, actually. I, I, I certainly enjoy it. And Gerald Van Halteren, you mentioned him. He's my hero because of his attitude. His attitude is, if there's a stage there, I want to be on it. And that is the ultimate attitude, you know, um, to be uh, up there to perform because performance is, is, is a high, yeah. all, always. Mm -hmm. 
That was early on, I definitely felt like this is a special thing, right, that we get to do together. Um, and I think even now as an adult, whether I'm playing or not, music is just this way to connect. You know, if you walk into a room full of musicians, right away you're connecting over what they're playing or what you're listening to. And I find even if it's a completely different style of music, absolutely. you can still find that connection. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, a couple of years ago we were down and we just walked into an Opry house in the middle of Florida, and I mean, there was someone doing a banjo solo, and they were, you know, playing a tune with the the tuner, the tuners, and like you can just appreciate what someone's up there and doing, right? Uh, whether it's the kind of music you like or not, it's just someone's putting all their energy into giving you something. I mean, it's a gift, right? And there's no one that comes close to you could ever take your place. Christy went to see Cats, right? And uh, she came home and played the theme from Cats, Memories, right? Not just a little phrase, the whole song. <laughs> right just because she has a fantastic musical memory like it's like four times my musical memory so you know like she's a natural you know what i really love is walking onto a stage in front of a room full of strangers they have no idea what you're going to do and just winning them over with uh you know a, uh, a, your voice and your pr presentation and stage presence and like that. It's, I think it's that's an a empathy fantastic that you thing. Have, you've got an empathy for that because okay. you will look at the room. Mm -hmm. You're not going to decide before you go up what you're going to play. This you're going to decide while it's happening. You know what these people need right now. And then you just, you know, you come up with something and, and you're keeping them along with you. I'm going to walk the edge here on this one, but that goes against a lot of musicians who are, no, I'm going to deliver what I want. This is my art. So how does that set you apart from them, Bob? Uh, maybe Christy, maybe I should ask you that. How does that set Dad apart from other musicians? Then? I just, I think it's, I mean, you know, people talk about reading the room. I mean, you've done comedy. It's it's so important, right? And And I think you're just, you're connecting with people when you're doing that, as opposed to if you kind of railroad through something that they're not really into you're just gonna lose their attention and um and then it's it's not the same you know i mean i'm not that i've seen a lot of i think a lot of musicians aim to do that to really you know get people engaged but i mean some people do it better than Performing, I know a lot on your own as well. So, what's it like when when you are with other people, having to share that spotlight, but also share the the joy and the responsibility, all of that? Uh, that's a really good question. I think I I really don't feel like I have a lot of experience playing, um, but when I have had the chance to play with people. It's funny because everything else kind of drops away and all of a sudden it's really just you and them and you're and you're feeling everything together and you're creating something together literally out of the air. You go from having no sound at all to having something that's just just fitting and it's it's a great feeling and then all of a sudden the audience claps and you're like oh yeah there's people over there you know it kind of like it just drops away while it's happening I guess at least for me because it's a really special thing to be on stage with people and just have that feeling of 
of that creation happening. Whenever Christy's on stage with me, she makes my routine a lot better <laughs> because she sings harmony, she plays keyboard, uh, she just adds so much to to my act. Yeah, uh, but she's the girl you also helped raise, you know. So yeah, but, but I, I never pushed Christy to be a stage performer. Uh, I let her, you know, it came through the walls, certainly sure. at my place. Yeah. Uh, but I, I let her decide finally uh, in the high school era to be in the big show, the Winter Carnival show, Cabaret with a K. Uh, and and so she decided that on her own. Mm -hmm. So what's it like now? Now yeah. that you're both adults, yeah, yeah. and you can look over mm -hmm. and you see her performing next to you. What's that like for you to see that? It's it's fantastic. Well, you know, I think when you're little, you don't really have internal motivation. And I was that kid who would just do anything to not be in trouble. So I'm just gonna practice my piano so that I'm not in trouble. And you know, but you don't have that same sense of like, I really wanna master this, or I, I really wanna learn this. And as an adult, it's kind of fun to take on a challenge together, um, you know, and I, what's interesting is when we do sit down and record something, sometimes we have no plan at all for what we're going to do. We just grab a mic and let's just goof around. And then we listen to it and go, okay, you know what, that really, really worked. And it's kind of fun because we had no plan at all. And then something comes out of it that we weren't expecting. So I really One, enjoy that two, part of it. Three, and... Will be a bright day today will surely fade away. Mountains to climb, and I try so hard. Nothing seems to come my way. just been a chance to connect after having a long time of not even being able to see each other. I mean, before I came here, you know, we went most of the last year not being able to connect in that way. We'd gone to Florida, um, you know, and then it's like we came home early March and all of a sudden, like a few weeks later, everything changed. I mean, we just weren't expecting that. So, you know, uh, to have this time together and be able to just pick up and play, it sort of feels like a little pause before whatever comes next. Tomorrow will be a bright day. Today will surely fade away. All right. That is a song called Understanding, performed by Christy May and her father Bob May. 
They wrote it together back when Christy was all of 17. I totally enjoyed that personal concert from Bob's Basement Studio in Lindsay. Better days ahead, so yeah, really looking forward to a public concert with Bob and Christy in the not-too-distant future. Big shout-out to lawyer Jason Ward for helping us out with that earlier segment on vaccines in the workplace. And an additional shout-out to Jason and Carissa and their team at Ward's Lawyers, our program's official and exclusive sponsor. For all your legal needs, check them out. Give them a call. They've got you covered. Find them at wardlegal.ca. Our theme and musical bridges are written and performed by Gerald Van Halteren, great musician and a great music teacher. The Advocate Podcast Stories from Kawartha Lakes is produced by me, Denny Grignel. Hey, I'm getting my second shot this week over at Kathy Puffer's Remedies Rx. Yay! You're on board with that too, right? You're going to get your second shot or your first shot? Yeah, sure you are. Stay safe, stay positive, and yeah, roll up your sleeve for the greater good. Talk to you in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm.